Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Are we live? We're not live, so we're we're rolling. Week four, trends with somewhat good friends. Welcome, as always, to Riley. Taking a uh, day off in San Diego, learning OBS, the on-balance system. Is that on-balance volume? And then we have Phil the Pearl, master of shrink. He's my shrink. Which I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's good branding for you, Phil. And he it's is. It's great because you're doing the best you've you've you're, you're doing the best you've ever been. We'll get so, into that. Look and at so you. We've got Phil. Mr. Pearl, comes from a long line of both bald and hairy people. It's a, did a whack job combination. He's the Robin Williams of shrinkology, uh, Phil Perlman, the living version. And then uh, right from his basement, hiding out from three kids under two. Three kids under three is JC sporting the Adidas. JC. Uh, happy to be here. The basement office hasn't finished being built yet, but it's looking good. It's almost done. So I'm still in my, uh, I'm still in the uh, temporary, the interim office that I've been in for a couple of years. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that you just ate. You look a little heavier than the last two weeks. Have you, have you ventured away from Phil's egg diet? You know, it's having three kids with all kinds of delicious. Snacks. I think there's some slippage. I think there might be. I. You and two pounds, two pounds is a noticeable difference on you, especially because you're so pale. The, uh, how are the twins? What, what, where are they at now? Three, three months, four months? Three, three and a half months. Haven't seen sun in months. You know, uh, I'm, I'm taking, what am I taking? I'm taking the vitamin D or is it the C that I'm taking, Roman? What am D I taking? for Dracula. D. D is key in the winter in the North. That's the one I'm taking. Uh, clearly it's not working. Lindsay calling out my lack of, of sun. <laughs> I mean, just hit a tanning booth. Phil, is a tanning booth allowed on the, in, in your- I was just down in Delray. So the ta tanning booths are beneficial actually, which is crazy. I was just reading about that the other day, but much better to get outside. Getting outside, right, well, I'm in, it's hard when you live in the North in the winter. So vitamin I'm in D Phoenix. Helps, but you're gonna get white. Phil, your Jersey somewhere. I'm in New York. New York, it's a stretch. You're in New York state, but you're not in New York. It's right. I'm in New York State. Uh, Riley's in San Diego uh, at the All-Star Charts office. And JC, where are you? What town? I'm in Hellertown, Pennsylvania. Great. All the way. East. All the way east. Anyways, fourth episode, we're working out kinks, though. We got, we're got we working on OBS versus uh, what was what were we using before, Riley? We were using Riverside. We're going to try OBS. We're, we're trying, trying OBS. To get, we're trying is, to get 20% better every week. 20% better every week. 20%. Be patient, everybody. Um, you know, the main comment is it's a very high IQ podcast, which, you know, rings true, which which is kind of a death toll for traffic. Anytime you say high IQ uh, and less farting, it hurts traffic. So Phil may have to do a, sh a show topless. But anyways... <laughs> Everybody's here. Let's get right to it. You know, I, I call We're going to always open with uh, chart art where JC, who does this in his sleep, can flip through the world very quickly and kind of summarize where we are. We, we another heavy earnings week. Uh, we're we're kind of now late Feb. Um, we've got uh, Valentine's Day behind us. Anybody get in trouble for Valentine's Day? My birthday. I can do It's the one day of the year I can do no wrong. Bill? Did Michelle ever has Michelle ever gone mad at you like to the point where she's in another room, or is that every night? Yes, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guy. Bad I'm question. 
I do, Has I Michelle do ever got, dumb things. Does Michelle get mad at you? I can't. She just seems so lovely. She's pretty chill, but yeah, of course she does. I, I'm okay. an idiot. I'm a guy. I do I do dumb things all the time. Yeah, because I was never no, going less than I used to, but I still am an imbecile. So yeah, see, she rightly what, gets mad at me. Recently, do you remember a time when you were in, or is there some kind of bliss because you have three kids running around right now? Or are you ever in the doghouse? What was the most recent time you were in the doghouse? You know, I'm always doing things incorrectly, I find, you know, <laughs> even when I like today, I, I, I tried to make her coffee. Right. And um, that's not hard. I had already put the, the, the K cup in the thing. So I wasted a, a K cup. So trying to do go out of my way to be nice and helpful actually backfired on me because I wasted a perfectly good K cup that she had already put in. So even when I try to do things correctly, I still screw it up. But a wasted uh, cake up with all that uh, chart money that's that causes turmoil in the house unforgivable little thing really a little thing sometimes i just throw cake cups out of the car like just to share with the people okay well there's a different wealth uh discussion that we should have later on but let's get right into the world of charts i want to cover charts today the world then i want to get into uh fomo and you know some shrinkology and then we'll end with uh, some life stories and and some some overhang, which I want to talk about zero interest rates. And then rather we want to talk about golf. So those are the four subjects yeah, today. Let's get right into it, JC, with some charts. All right. So what are we what are we talking about first? Um, uh, I think first we were going to talk about um, just interest rates here. Kimball tra- shared a great chart yeah. um, on the uh, big shout out to Chris Kimball. Love that man. Yeah, Kimball Charting. He shared a great through had Fibonacci's, greens, reds, blacks. There was an ape in the chart. I mean, he is the master of this. A lot going on there. Um, you know, listen, I'm not one for diagonal trend lines. You know, for me, that's always made little sense. You know, there's no market memory in these diagonal trend lines, so I would worry hmm. less about that and 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 more about the the underlying trend, which I think continues to point to higher interest rates. You know, in the short-term rates, let's talk about the 10-year yield. Uh, here we're looking at 10-year. You know, we really are in, in a sideways range, and, and stocks like that. You know, yeah. stocks, stocks just don't like rates to move very aggressively in either direction, up or yeah. down. Correct. So the sideways range-bound market that we've been in for rates, I think is a positive uh, for stocks. I think it continues in the near term and then ultimately resolves higher. And let's remember... That historically, there are some stocks that do well in rising rate environments and some stocks that do poorly. And people like last year and the year before, as interest rates are going up, everybody, you know, you hear people wondering why tech stocks aren't working. Like, well, why would tech stocks be working if interest rates are going up? Historically, those are the worst stocks to own when interest rates are going up and interest rates have been ripping higher. Financials, yeah. energy, industrials, materials, those are the types of stocks that do well in rising rate environments. And as it turns out, for 10 years, as interest rates were falling and tech and growth was doing so great, those stocks were left behind. Nobody wanted to own those stocks because rates were falling. But we're not in that environment. We're in an environment that rates are rising. Tech stocks, growth stocks should be underperformers. And they are. I don't know why anybody should be surprised. No, I, I, I'll let Phil chime in about interest rates. But my, my thought here on rates are I don't see how... I don't see how the Fed has a reason to switch. Um, you know, I don't hear 
again, I'm I'm dealing with middle upper class discussions in terms of the network that I that I hang in. Um, everybody's got work. Uh, everybody's got money. Uh, everybody's spending money. The restaurants that I frequent, or geez, I can't get into the restaurants I used to frequent. Um, and I don't think the Fed, much like the SEC, doesn't seem to care about crypto. I don't think the Fed cares about stocks right here because, like you said, JC, and rising interest rate, there's a lot of people getting rich. No one's no one complains when Goldman Sachs is going up or Morgan Stanley or Schwab. I think one of the biggest, I think, cheats on from this cycle will be how everybody was focused on antitrust at Google, how everybody was focused on antitrust at Facebook. And, you know, um, Schwab walked away with a monopoly around a certain pipe, which is custodial. Uh, you know, as the world ages and as as RIAs, uh, as all this money moves around, it's going to come down a generation. People are going to be surprised how poor their custodial services because we basically the apple of, of uh, finances is schwab you know with their td acquisition i've heard josh complain about this josh brown and maybe you have too jc but you know in a world where trillions of dollars uh, are going to be passed down they're all pumping through a pipe that's basically controlled by two banks uh at least at the retail level that's schwab and fidelity and they're not known for the best service and uh so we have that but I, I don't have a problem with it at all it doesn't seem to be my problem i could see how other it isn't your problem just like apple isn't your problem you don't have a problem with apple but it is a problem when you know uh you need selection because we need to force these people so so it's kind of an interesting thing that's going to happen from this rate rise is no one's going to complain we're still fighting the battle you know uh, wall street and and mainstream are fighting the battle of like Google's the enemy and uh, Facebook's the enemy and China's the enemy. And in five years, we'll look back and go, I can't believe we had no innovation and Schwab controls the pipes. Um, but anyways, JC, that was a good one. The I think rates, Phil, I don't know what you're saying, but I think rates stay elevated. I would just only I would only add that this chart is cool as hell. It, it's like a it's like a it's like a 50, 60 year chart. Yeah, that we're looking at, and Kimball does these crazy long-term charts, and he was all over this stuff. I mean, he's got a little, he's got a little quip here um, that he made the case on Panic with Friends. Yeah, he was on my podcast twenty twenty, Phil, April, and you know rates were quickly pushed to zero. And I remember him talking about this could be the bottom. And he was sending me he he, he DMs me these charts too. Yeah. especially around the interest rate thing. And yeah. he was telling me the exact same thing. He was like, this is just like a could be a, a, a generational bottom here. So uh, I at least give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't really make rate bets, but just just wanted to point that out. All right. Next, we have I thought house. I thought the next most interesting chart. I don't know if Riley will pull it up later, but the housing start. This was, you know, housing stocks are kind of acting well. But then we had our we're at 30 month, 31 month low in housing starts so finally interest rates are hitting housing starts so if you keep rates elevated and if you slow down things that eventually uh the titanic will start to move i don't know if you're seeing that i'm seeing in my bike rides around town way more for sale signs especially in the above three million uh range and in arizona that's not saying much but 
you know, in the three to five million dollar range of my bike ride through Paradise Valley and Scottsdale, I'm seeing way more for sale signs. I don't know if you guys have anecdotal stuff around your neighborhoods. Around my neighborhood, I mean, prices keep going up. You know, uh, a house goes on sale not frequently these days, uh, and it gets gobbled up. You know, three, four different uh, bids above asking. Just in my neighborhood alone, uh, cash. So it's off. tighter where you are, Phil. What have you seen in your neighborhood, which was a hot well, neighborhood? We've had a huge influx of influx of people who are moving out of the city and out of Brooklyn, and so that continues. So we've had buoyancy. I have noticed also um, in a very nice area where there's a lot of uh, people who are putting additions on their homes and working on their homes. I think some of that is people who move into the area and then renovate in a significant way. But I'm seeing a lot of that. So uh, I don't I don't think this is a is a is a great example just because we're getting that uh, we're still getting that exodus from uh, from New York City. City. Yeah, I'm, we're getting that exodus. But saying it's absolutely right. We're, I mean, Phil's a little bit north of the city. I'm west of the city. We're getting the same thing. We're people moving out of New York City. Yeah. Exactly what Phil's saying. People working on their homes. I mean, we just finished our basement. We're putting in a pool. Some of our neighbors are doing the same thing. So we're, we're seeing exactly the same thing, Phil. The One bigger of the crazy story. About the country, though, obviously, is the size of this country. That's just another proof because Arizona was early to this, and I'm already seeing it starting to finally get heavy. I mean, I think this Redfin chart that's next, investor home purchase fell most on record in fourth quarter. Granted, it's one data source, which is Redfin. Um, so it is, you know, forgetting neighborhoods aside, this this data from Redfin is, you know, a little scary that uh, the last time we saw this was obviously, you know, February, March 2020. That was a quick couple month panic. With, and then that led to these red bars, which were like the best month ever. So this could just be, you know, just a, a wild swing that slows things down but it's something to keep track of you've got interest rates high you have the fed kind of focused on keeping these rates at least here because the unemployment isn't changing and you know america is still a real estate kind of a, it's a speculator's world too but it, it is a real estate economy so that's the first chart that kind of had me uh, a little bit concerned here. But as you say, JC, February is generally a weak month, especially after a strong January. Is that true? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's the best three month period of the year is between November and January. Uh, stocks are supposed to do very well. This time was no different. Stocks did great. And then you get that February sort of hangover, you know, of the prior excesses, uh, people partying too much, behaving a little irresponsibly. Some people acting as though they were somewhat under the influence. All of those things happen. Then come the February hangover. And this time is no different. That's exactly what we're seeing. Um, and in my opinion, I think that once the hangover, once, you know, investors recover and uh, get back to uh, partying again, I think uh, March and April could be some positive months for, for equities. That's that's what I'm seeing. And we'll, we'll take me to the next chart, Riley, which is industrials versus the S&P 500. So if, if I were a betting man in... You know the relative strength is here so walk us through this jc so 14 year highs 14 year highs on equal weighted yep so if you take an equally weighted basket of industrials and compare it to an equally weighted basket of the s p 500 is making new 14 year highs since the stock market bottomed in june last summer 
the best performing S&P sector is industrials. So when you talk about where the leadership is, every cycle has different leadership. This cycle with rising interest rates, it's not going to be anywhere growth. It's not going to be tech or communications or any of that stuff. It's going to most likely be somewhere in the value areas. And that's exactly what we've seen. Industrials, uh, financials also, when you look at broker dealers, insurance stocks. So these are the leadership groups, the more value-oriented sectors. And when we talk about the leadership that we're seeing out of Europe, Europe is the leader. Why is Europe leading after lagging for so long? Well, Europe has very little exposure to technology, and they got a ton of exposure to industrials, which is yeah. the exact opposite of the United States, which is why the U.S. is one of the worst places to be an investor in right now. It's it's but. You know, it depends what you're investing in, and it depends what you pay. But these are really good points. So right now, you, the stocks—what do you call it? The stock 600. Yeah. What is it? The European. That's so this is the a broad measure of European equity. So this is equivalent to the S and P 1500, right? This wow. is the Euro stock 600. It's a broad measure. Did nothing for 20 years because uh, there's not a lot of tech. There's not a lot of growth like the United States has. So what drove the United States held back Europe. And now what is driving Europe higher to new 52-week highs in the Euro stock 600 is what is holding back the United States. So the FTSE, Brexit, currency, uh, leadership aside, FTSE 100, all-time high. I guess you know just technology exposures in the FTSE 100? Zero. Zero percent technology in, in the London FTSE 100. And then obviously cigarettes are doing well. The parrot, the CAC. I love the name the index the French have. Just everything they do is annoying. They call themselves the CAC 40. So uh, in all of France, there's 40 companies that matter. Um, and that's a new all-time high. I wonder what's in the CAC. 23% industrials. No okay. tech. Yeah. Right? You're, getting a lot, you're getting a lot of exposure into the things that are working, and you're getting a little or no exposure into the things that are not working. And, you know, you look at Denmark. Look at the Copenhagen exchange, it's 27% industrials, also making all-time highs, and I think like three or 4% tech, right? That's the story. Okay, so pretty simple. And then the value line geometric index. What, what, I mean, it's obviously been like watching paint dry for 20, 20 years for the most part, other than 08 and 2020. What do, what do you see here? So this is your median stock, right? So we talk about large caps, we talk about small caps, we talk about growth, we talk about value. But the value line geometric index is going to give you the median stock. Uh, so not necessarily your average Joe. More specifically, it's the median. Uh, but you're going to be able to kind of see what's in the middle, whether it's working or not. And the median stock has done nothing for multiple decades here in the United States. And, uh, you know, all of that former resistance turning into support is pretty classic behavior for markets. So I would consider this uh, if we're above those 98 highs, 08 highs, 14, 15 highs. Or above those, it's hard to be overly pessimistic uh, on the equities market. I think you need to be spending time, more time, looking for stocks to buy versus looking for stocks to sell. Yeah, I'm with you. So, so there you have it, everybody. That is as fast as you can get around the markets. Um, it has been a pretty dull February. You've got, um, you know, some well, that industrial. Hey, JC, just really quickly, yeah. that industrial breakout. Uh, that chart, that chart's a beauty, by the way, and it, it, it's just that's a pretty fresh breakout. It's not like it's not like uh, you're, you're giving us new news here, not old news. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about industrials is that it, re they re it already really got going last year. You know, it's it is the best performing sector uh, of all of them since last summer. So we are now breaking out on a relative basis uh, on an equally weighted relative basis. So you're, it's, it's not so much a signal as it is just further evidence that it's broad based accumulation in industrial type stocks machinery and not just large caps guys this goes down the cap scale there's small cap industrial stocks coming out left and right there's a reason why france and denmark uh, uh are breaking out to new all-time highs it's their exposure to industrial stocks aerospace and defense you know uh the farming and the machinery uh, industrials are, are yeah flyover it's going to be an interesting election because flyover countries, flyover states are benefiting right here. It's less coastal, you know, when you have the the tech boom slowing. And I wouldn't say slowing because AI has kind of been uh, a nice organic boost. Um, but at least, and, and you know, for for machines at least and for tech overall, um, you know, time will tell who it helps the most. It's not helping most companies but over time should help a lot of companies. But at the same time, this is the industrials and, and commodities are, are a boost for, for America's a big country. So for 40 something states in the middle of this, you know, it's going to change people's outlooks. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a coastal thing anymore. Um, all right. So interesting. That's, that's, that's markets. I want to go now to um, one of the number one questions we get, because Phil's more of a, uh, I'm kind of a mix. I've become more of an indexer as I've gotten older and less active. And one of the number one questions we get each time we, we come here is around, you know, what's right for me and FOMO. And, I, and you know, uh, Phil, as the, as the shrink man here, um, FOMO's probably the big it's kind of like keeping up with the joneses which is another american thing you know from neighborhoods and um and so fomo creeps into the market i think in 99 fomo was you know insane around internet stocks in 2007 it was insane around how many homes could i own and in 2021 we had that fomo around tech and crypto specifically and you wrote something in in October of twenty one uh, that's creeping back up. I mean, it was it's a it's a definitive piece on FOMO. So let's let's walk through quickly how you define it and see it, and how people should really think about this as they ask that question: Should I be trading more, or looking at stocks, or just indexing? Yeah. So we got a we got a question about that from Ten Minutes on Twitter uh, about dollar cost averaging and uh, ignoring. Uh, how everybody else is doing and FOMO specifically. And so just to talk about that a little bit. So so back in the day, JP Morgan has like this famous quote, nothing so undermines your financial judgment as the sight of your neighbor getting rich. And so we have this tendency to admire quotes of old, rich, famous, dead people right so great and we and we just kind of all nod our heads like yeah 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 but the thing about jp morgan was that he was a very wealthy very greedy very egotistical man and you know was he even happy right so there's a difference between there's plenty of rich miserable people in the world right so i don't i'm not just going to nod my head 
with this, you know? And there are, uh, you know, I mean, if my neighbor does well, I'm happy for him. And we can be happy for people. There's no reason why we can't be. And Matt, in fact, we feel great when we have joy, vicarious joy uh, in, you know, in, uh, in, in, in Buddhism, they call that mudita joy for other people's well-being like some we see somebody else doing well we experience joy that's joy we you know we're only going to be here for so long we're only going to we're only going to have so many possible possible times to experience joy we might as well experience it instead of jealousy so yeah. i call bullshit on jp morgan and um and here's a trick to getting rid of the fomo so if you're experiencing it and you want to get rid of it because it's affecting your decision making i think Kinman's point was it's hard for me to dollar cost average because I see other people, you know, buying NFTs and they go up or buying whatever's the hot, hot fat of the day and seeing it, seeing it go up a lot. And I jump on the bandwagon. Maybe I jump on it late or whatever. And it goes down. How do I avoid that? How do I just stick to that plan that I know intellectually is wise over the very long period of time of just dollar cost averaging into broad market, low cost ETFs, very boring, very effective. Um, and I will say this, here's the, here's the trick. So you are your only true benchmark. So you remember you're in school, this is a universal truth, by the way, you are your only true benchmark. The only person that you can compare yourself to is yourself in the past. It's the only, it's the only real benchmark. You can compare yourself all day to your neighbor, to other people, whatever, but that's all false gods. You, they may be miserable. They have a life you don't even know about. They may be just presenting on in their, their Instagram face may be good. But they may be miserable. They may be in a horrible marriage. They may be ready to, you know, they may be depressed. Let's hope. Their children may be out of control. What's that? Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. Right. So, <laughs> um, so here's the shift to man versus self. So how do you do that? How do you shift? If you have this point of view that you're always worried about how everybody else is doing. Um, how do you shift from going from that to going from the man versus self? So you're in this man versus other. You want to be man versus self. You want to be comparing yourself to your own best from last week or last month or last year. Here's how you do that. You find something, you find a habit or you find a hobby that is man versus self. A great one is one that you do, Howard, you bike, right? So you bike, you're a bicyclist. And if you bike and you bike certain distances or do certain races, you're really bike, biking against yourself. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean right. unless you're the, Usain Bolt. The one thing that I time. finally started to do around this one, just because I, I generally was biking for five, six years without worrying about the data, but now I'm focused on my average. You know, once I know a route that I do, I try and focus on like upping my average speed over the whole, you know, you know, so I've been averaging 16 miles per hour over this same road for a year. Can I, can I, can I beat that record? Can I, you know, obviously age then creeps into it, but you're saying in general, it's, it's man versus self. It's man versus self. And if you're getting even just a little bit better, that's all that matters, especially mm -hmm. as you're, you know, especially with age, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're comparing yourself in, you know, 50 to 60 and you say the same, that's actually improvement. Age adjusted, but yeah, you 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 want to do that. I do it with running. Um, you know, I ran a I ran a half marathon five years ago, um, and then I ran it again this past year and improved my time, and that was fantastic. I, I improved myself.
from 50 to 55 years old. It's fantastic, yeah. right? Yeah. So you take that and you focus on something. And if you're, you know, it can be it can be weightlifting. Hey, how much can you bench, right? I mean, that's such like a, you know, macho cliche, but it's real, you know? You get stronger, uh, that's fantastic. And then what you do is once you find something that you're doing that with, whether it's cycling, running, weightlifting, it could be anything. Once you do that, then you have learned that meta skill of self-improvement. Now you just take that and you generalize it. You could generalize that to the market. You could say, okay, now how am I doing? Am I doing, you know, what's my goal? Maybe my goal is just to be, just to match beta, right? Yeah. I mean, there's this behavior gap, right? Carl Richards invented that term, the behavior gap, that we have this tendency as long-term investors to do worse than beta because we overtrade, we sell at the bottom, we buy at the top, we, we keep try to keep up with the Joneses. To Lemon's point, we, uh, we, we FOMO. And so even if we're just, you know, maintaining beta or slightly better than beta, we're doing fantastic. We're dollar cost averaging, probably we're doing better than beta over a long period of time. So if we could take that man versus self thing that we did in the physical realm and generalize it. We have, we've learned that skill and say, hey, I'm just gonna go do the exact same thing in my investing world. That would be yeah. my that would be my recipe for this. JC, I think for me, uh, I'll get to you, JC, last. For me, it's always been like get closer and closer to indexing and then a couple times a year when I feel everything is lined up, hmm. right? And that's where I can weigh myself against, you know, something. For me, it's when the VIX is above 30, I move markets up to like first or second in my daily routine, right? It's always I wake up and I write uh, and I spend an hour doing that and cleaning up my email, you know, from the day before. And then I get on with my day. But generally, I don't trade or invest. I just that's a habit. But when the VIX is above 30 and because that's the standard that I know behavior kind of gets a little jiggy <laughs> and and the mooshes in my life get panicked and the smart people bear down and realize there's opportunity. That's kind of when. I, even though I a little bit have a little, even though my fear is also rising, it's kind of when I fade my own fear and get involved. But, you know, the FOMO thing is something that people are going to have to deal with their whole life. And it's, there's nothing that will create a, a bigger drag on your returns than FOMO. I mean, you because you are going to, you are going to find yourself, you know, I talked about this on, on all the time. It's these errors of commission that happened from FOMO versus the errors of, of omission from ignoring FOMO, you know, errors of omission, you know, are going to happen. You're going to miss certain things, right? And then you're in the in the investing world. The good news about omission is there's just a million trains leaving the station throughout your life. The error of commission, which I think the last three four years have, is everybody overinvested uh, in illiquid things and stuff and NFTs. And that is going to leave a major overhang. Uh, have you? What was the worst case of FOMO you ever had, JC? And what do you deal deal with it? Because you're looking at, at at you're talking to investors all day and talking investing all day. I mean, my worst FOMO trade was uh, uranium back in <laughs> 2010. <laughs> you just say uranium, and I'm like, what were you thinking? Uh, uh, uranium was all the rage. It was the Tesla of its day, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I bought in, I had a diversified portfolio of uranium. I had the CCJ, I had the ETF, I had one of the little ones. I was very diversified. 
And then uh, Fukushima, you had the uh, earthquake out in Japan and the nuclear meltdown and it immediately <laughs> started to collapse. And I remember vividly being like, oh, it's just because of this, you know, earthquake. It'll come back. Here we are 12, 13 years later. It still is nowhere near those highs. So, you know, great lesson of it was the worst trade I ever made in my entire life. It, it, you know, it was a great lesson early on when I had a lot, a lot less money uh, back then. So this day and age, uh, I, I have guardrails in place with, with some of my investments. I own my house outright, so I don't have a mortgage. So I, I have like money in there that's just there. Like I understand it's probably a bad trade uh, to not leverage the value of my house. Uh, and I'm okay yeah. with that, right? Because yeah. I know that that's there. So it gives me some freedoms to do other things elsewhere. I have a portfolio that that is always long right where i do where all my tax loss harvesting through canvas takes place so i'm always long the market in that particular portfolio i have a day trading account where i only have so much leverage i can use so i have in guardrails in place in the day trading account i have my liquid account where i can do whatever i want where if i want to have fomo i can have all the fomo i'm not going to blow myself up because there's only so much capital in that particular account so there are guardrails in place in my life that prevent me from getting too out of control in any one direction. Um, whether I need those guardrails or not is not even the point. They're there uh, and, it, and it helps me sleep at night. And that's the most important thing, right? Right, Phil? JC is like embracing JOMO, which is the joy of missing out, which is the flip side of FOMO. Mwah. Chef's what could kiss, be the joy? What, what what would you reckon? What, what's the joy of missing? Isn't it more the zen of missing out? Like just not trying to be in everything? Yeah. Yeah, just okay. why not? You made just that joy of no. missing out. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going, can't can't meet you in the city for dinner. Sorry, can't make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be home, you know, cooking dinner and uh getting to bed at a good time. Yeah, one of the Beautiful. one of the biggest I think there was a great it was a pretty it was a pretty intense takedown of of uh late stage vcs rather but there's you know this whole zero interest rate fomo kind of trade that happened over the last five years it was a really interesting take i don't know uh, riley if you can pull up the tweet yep. what's the kid's name the kid's name is uh tyler tringas he has small vc founder is an early stage vc and he said the biggest um he said i think folks are sleeping on one of the biggest and most obvious zero interest rate phenomena that's going to get vaporized slowly and then all at once uh andreessen horowitz and you know i don't necessarily agree with the take on picking which firm is going to be the culprit it's going to be very it's like saying the end of goldman sachs because of 2008 and the mortgage crisis uh of course there there is going to be a lehman of zero percent interest rates uh, maybe it was tiger uh, maybe it'll take three or four more years for that to surface because private investing you can kick you can hide the cans you can move the cans around a lot easier but really it was a really important discussion because i'm in that industry right i've seen this silliness go on you see it you saw jc play out in crypto where there was some form of liquidity you could change your mind and just get out um but in this private world, the index, the um, Tiger, the CO2, the uh, A16Z, um, this is this is a FOMO trade that could play out for years and affect, you know, so much more that that we don't go that we 
don't see and it could be further reason why that that industrials chart in europe uh, those trends could go on much longer than expected because any new money is not going to go to save this old money you know is space really that important in a five or eight percent interest rate world uh when life is pretty good on a phone if you have jomo life is pretty good at uh 7-eleven and uh, dairy queen so um it's a really interesting take because it really unlike crypto which is just vc space was you know multi-trillion dollar money that uh you know won't get you know, released anytime soon. So I thought that was probably, you know, one of the biggest FOMO areas of this is hidden in this private market. I don't know if you have a, a thought around that because you've done some private investing yourself, JC. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think you make, I mean, you make some good points on the, you know, is, is good money going to go after bad money? You know, I'll defer to you on those. What I can, uh, you know, in my opinion, your thoughts on Europe outperforming and industrials outperforming, I do think that's got legs, you know, in the short term. Can you see some volatility? Can you see some mean reversion into some of those growth areas? You did see it. You saw it in January. Yeah. Did yeah. we see more of that? Absolutely. I think we do. But when you zoom out, when you take a step back, Europe outperforming, uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't think it's, it's anything new. And I'll, I'll point out something that was really interesting in the fourth quarter. If you would have told me that the dollar was going to get smoked in the fourth quarter, that was yep. the bet that we were making. I would have told you precious metals probably did great. Stocks probably did great. I would have said that emerging markets were the leadership group around the world, not Europe. And as it turns wow. out, it was Europe. Europe was the leader in an environment where I would have said they probably did well, but certainly not the leader. I would have guessed yep. emerging markets. So when the market does something that surprising, and in my yeah. opinion, this is that, there's a reason for it. I think Europe's got legs. Look at France. Look at London. Look at Germany. And go down. Look at Greece. Greece is ripping. Italy. Italy. Greece. Greek stocks are, are – Greece is not known for their stock market. Great food, great culture, <laughs> great people, beaches. Absolutely. I'm obsessed with Greece. Not known for their stock market. You know what else? People don't have exposure there. How many people do you know that are walking yeah. around going, shit, I own way too many Italian oil and gas stocks in my portfolio? <laughs> no, who says that? Nobody talks yeah. that way. Like, that's not a thing. And the reason that's not a thing is because nobody is bitching that they own way too many oil and gas stocks from Italy. Yeah. The thing about these trends is they're not accessible to everybody so i don't think you'll see the blockbuster so i think what people should say is that don't expect breakouts in the industrial sector to look like they did in crypto and uh, tech because uh the tech people that you think or all these traders that you think would move to these trades are still stuck trading amc and still stuck trading trump's back and still doing they're still living in the past trading these old ticker stubs which further of why these you know the the dips in some of these trends are going to be you know viable and because i don't think the valuations will get crazily out of control because they're not growth companies but i do think this trend persists and the same with that interest rate chart that we looked at earlier with kimball as much as kimball is really just trying to prove a point 
about you know how crazy rates got to to the other direction i think this this rate move is you know is going to continue to surprise people and it's persistence and hopefully we just see sideways for years and years but um i think it still could shock and awe people to the upside um and that's kind of the the what you know that's the that's the trade that i fear um but it's also the trade that the schwabs of the world and goldman's and the industrials will benefit from because they don't need to uh borrow as much and they get the benefit uh of the interest income at least on the schwab and goldman side of putting their money to work so it's really kind of a different you know the post crypto post a web two uh, world is really starting to show up, not so much in the decline of those companies as in the persistence of the energy trade, the persistence of you know the the financials, which are kind of boring. No one's talking about Morgan Stanley or interactive brokers. Uh, well, we are, but they still talk about Robinhood and Coinbase and including me. And, um, you know, what Robinhood and Coinbase are going to have to do, because Coinbase came out with their earnings, they're going to have to make money. First, the first thing they're going to have to do is prove that they aren't internet companies and Web2 companies, and prove that they, too, are actually financial businesses to benefit from this rising rate in, environment or this, like, newer rate environment. So it'll be interesting. In the meantime, I think you've got to stick to kind of these boring uh, trodgy names um so that that kind of is a wrap for me on like the two things is there anything else that uh we had down that we wanted to talk about riley or phil i did just want to say go ahead phil go ahead riley i was gonna say that the coinbase when they reported earnings this week their subscription and service revenue grew 34 percent uh their transactions declined by 12 percent, but the subscription and revenue uh service revenue is interesting little tidbit from their earnings. Yeah, and listen, Coinbase is a couple months ago, and I'm long Coinbase, was written off as a zero. Like people, you know, stock was trading at $30, $40. You know, that's when everything was getting lumped in, including Airbnb, which traded down to $70, $80, as like Web2 is dead. Web2 is dead for anybody starting a Web2 company, is what I mean. Web2 is long from dead, much like Cisco was long from dead in 2000 and Microsoft was long from dead in 2000. It may have taken years for them to recoup, but those Web2 companies that truly survived this are going to be dominant 20 years out because the moat around creating a Coinbase in this environment is just too big. If Coinbase doesn't screw it up themselves, all their competitors are doing. Kraken's fighting with the SEC, um, you know, the competitors are putting themselves out of business right now. So now the trick is surviving. And I say that about Robinhood, too. It, it comes down to how they execute from this point. But, man, there's a lot of open field, uh, Airbnb, Uber, you know, as their competitors flail in Web2, I would say there's a huge opportunity here. Now is a great time to be a consumer of Web2 tools. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, you can you can start a business or you can get anywhere you want. You can stay anywhere in the world you want. Uh, you can you can do any kind of business yeah. just using the web, just really almost just using your phone. Yeah. It's fantastic for yeah. almost for free or almost free. It's fantastic. Yeah. If you want to start a business now, or if you just want to be a consumer, or if you just want to be an employee and do great work, the tools that are available to you are so fantastic. 
Yeah. It's just it's it's great time. So, uh, Riley, anything else on the schedule? We're going to talk about uh, some media. I got a trade. JC. Oh, trade of the week. So, JC, do you have a trade? Do you have a trade of the week? I think in this environment, traditionally, we talked about February. How February is a tough month. Uh, There's a lot of digestion of gains in the prior months. This time is no different. The last three months were great. February has been a hot mess. Volatility spiking, not so much across the board. But in individual areas, volatility is really high. Home builders is one of those. I think it's a good time to sell premium, collect that income. People are getting all wild and crazy, buying calls and puts. I think you, they're the ones with the FOMO. So I think it's, as investors, it's our job to extract money from the people that are experiencing that FOMO. And I mm-hmm. think home builders is one of those areas. They're literally giving their money away. I would encourage investors to accept it. I happily am. We're selling a strangle in the XHB. Uh, so we're selling out of the money calls, uh, 73 calls, April 73 calls, selling April 60 puts, collected $1.90 today, and it's a widespread. Uh, see allstarcharts.com for the risk management details because that's obviously- so, so what are you hoping, that the stock just stays in a range and you just collect the premium? That's it. It just doesn't yeah. do anything dramatic. It already did it's dramatic move. The FOMO is is setting in in investors and we are going to collect their donations or we did collect their donations <laughs> this morning. That's what's cool about selling premium. You're collecting the cash up front and then the idea is to buy back that spread at half of what we collected this morning. So when you see volatility spiking like this, uh, especially in individual areas like it has in February, take advantage of uh, people's behaviors. That's what we do in the market, right? We're, yeah. taking, we're exploiting people's misbehaviors. And I think this is one of those times. Bill, you used to do a lot of options. I never, I've sold premium on each side, never together on one trade. So it's just like a foreign language to me. Uh, but yeah, J- uh, Sh- uh, Sean covers that strategy well for you at All Star Charts. Phil, you used to trade this as a hedge fund strategy. Yep. Yeah. The- and, I mean, we would just take advantage of uh, extreme sentiment and uh you know prices of options that were either really rich and you're selling them now i really just occasionally sell covered calls but not much more than that but even that is a gr- an incredible strategy if you're just really not doing that much but every once in a while the market is just getting so ahead of itself or on the other side so behind itself like you were talking about earlier just you know buying when the vix goes over 30 or whatever uh those those the, you know those are i mean if you could just do that simple thing incredible those are incredible strategies incredible yeah, well, right different environments call for different types of strategies i yeah. think an environment like this if you're not collecting premium i think you're leaving money on the table yeah, for me, it's I love the premium angle. I love just engaging when the VIX is over thirty. Right now, VIX is just low twenty, so I'm kind of disengaged from the market. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm a long only portfolio, so I'm just, you know, looking for ideas. For me, I don't have a new idea. It's still interactive brokers. You know, the the one tech company that looks interesting to me because it's not really tech is Axon, which is Taser. Uh, they're kind of their own i've talked about it for years they're kind of their own tech company and that they own their own private cloud which is every cop you know is taping themselves uh i forget where they wear it around on their in their chest protector on their helmet and um that that is not going to be outsourced to google or azure or amazon anytime soon that's a u.s kind of private cloud that axon kind of owns themselves plus taser 
So that's kind of like the best looking kind of pure tech company. Everything else just looks bungled. And then in the Web2 space, listen, I, I talked about it last week. The overvaluation is the only thing that you love large numbers around Uber and Airbnb. But I can't think of two better brands um, to come out of this. You know, if it's if, if if we come out of this crypto and I think we will nightmare, I don't know for the U.S. I think Coinbase is really well positioned in the U.S. Um, I saw that eToro got their New York license. So that's great for eToro. I mean, they're international. So to have their U.S. Uh, license is cool. But but I think Coinbase love that, if, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They worked really hard. But. But I think it's really um, Airbnb, Uber to come out of this space uh, because of the Uber Eats. I don't know. Do you guys use Uber Eats? Right? Are you an Uber Eats guy or your DoorDash? No. Since I got on the Perlman program, I've really stopped oh, ordering right. food. Cook your own food. I, I don't even want to know really how much simple. money I spent on. I want Uber Perlman Eats, to like cook. I want to have a little cooking corner, like the the we're galloping do it, gourmet. Man. Remember, Phil? Do you remember when we were kids? They had the galloping gourmet. It was this guy that just ran around the audience, like let's make a deal and cook things for people. The uh, I love Uber Eats. I don't know what it is. I was the last guy on. I don't know. Do you use Do you use Uber Eats, JC? I'm a gold belly kind of guy. Oh right, gold, gold belly is great for the for the uh, Prince Street people. Right, immediate satisfaction on the Uber Eats, Gold Belly. I mean, you can order ribs from Kansas City. You can order, you know, wings from Buffalo. I get. Uh, it's true. Prince Street Pizza. Maybe the best gift I ever got was you sent me Prince Street Pizza. By the way, people, Gold Belly is one of those gifts that you could give people like it's just it's so you know like you just said wings from buffalo or, or ribs from kc or prince street pizza you know you pay a little more prince street pizza oh my god they are printing money it's a hundred dollars for a fucking pizza what but it is it tastes really good even out of the way they do it i mean it's just it's a miracle that is tech that's the kind of tech that i like and then uh finally Howard, can we get the, prince street pizza for the next howie's happy hour i got one more i got one more the the brisket from lexington texas yeah, cool. wait a minute what is this on gold belly <laughs> a gold belly the 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 brisket from lexington texas it's called snow's barbecue oh my god it's ridiculous so, so I think I you sent me one of those. One. It was ridiculous. He sent me one of those. He sends me Gold Belly once, once a year or twice a year, dude. It's ridiculous every single it's time. One of the he best sent me one of those briskets. Can... I couldn't. It was stupid good. Like it didn't last. It was this big brisket. The kids, but it, it was gone. Like you blinked your eyes. The whole thing was gone. It was so a lot of good. protein. A lot of protein there, bro. And, and it was. And it's part of the promo program. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, this is such a guys podcast, but yeah, the 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 what you can do with with creative gifts like Gold Belly is really is really fantastic. Oh, what, we're what, set. What, we're yeah, sending boot. Roman earmuffs. The cherry pie from Grand Rapids, Michigan, is awesome. <laughs> holy shit! It's so good. <laughs> Where? But where are you getting, where are you testing all this? Or how are you using Gold Belly to find out what's good? This is what I do, Howard. <laughs> I, I order stuff. You, you you can go to like the favorites. Like there's ways, you know. And it, I found out the, the cherry pie because they have like specials. They have like flash sales. And it was like two for one cherry pies. I was like, I'll get some freaking cherry pie. All right. Well, we'll put a list together. Right. Let's put a list together from in this show, the ones that he recommended, because yeah. I'm going to write about it. The other thing I was going to talk about, I offended 
you saw her as my nephew's uh, wedding. Shout out to Eli. Uh, he it was an interesting wedding, Jewish wedding, but he had a uh, my other nephew uh, got his. What do you tell when you t- you pass your test? You become an ordained. So so my other nephew married him, which was really cool. That's awesome. Um, so it was like a twenty six year old marrying another twenty six year old off, and it was a really nice ceremony the way it was done because it was his you know their childhood cousins and friends uh, so it was a very interesting these millennials or whatever you call them gen z have very interesting takes on uh, the future of how this stuff happens uh they still spent a shit pile you know i was surprised i thought millennials were cheap uh they still spent a lot on their own uh, from but i was doing the math in my head as an uncle would do or as a jewish uncle would do and i'm like where are they who's who's back in this and and I say that as someone who threw the cheapest wedding 30 years ago because I had no money and it was like a cash bar. I think it was a brunch and a cash bar. Uh, you guys would still be talking about if you had been invited. I could totally see that. Yeah, sadly. I could see it. Uh, well, it was, you don't have to see it. It happened. Uh, and my wife and I were chatting about it at the wedding saying, where did they? These kids are not. These kids are a little uh, further along than we give them credit for in terms of what they'll do and their experiences that they will throw. But you caught me holding a wine. I know you are whatever you call it, a paparazzi or whatever you call these wine people. What is it called that you have your degree? Uh, no, it is. A, I'm a certified sommelier. Yeah, you're perfect, Nugent. So you're a sommelier, which gives you the right to go on Twitter and comment on photos of people holding the wine incorrectly. So what? it with your palm your sweaty greasy hands are making your wine warmer in a warm day like what are you doing you hold it by the stem always hold it by the stem i mean unless you have like a cold let's say for whatever reason you left the red wine in the fridge too long and it's too cold and you want to warm it up then you put your greasy hands on it but like that's what it's for the stem is there so you can hold it because you have nice cold refreshing white wine and you're just you're just war- you're putting it in the microwave hmm all right. Well, I didn't know that. Phil, did you know that? I mean, I knew this was there for a reason. And I appreciate that, that there's actually a reason. It's not just like a snobby thing to hold it that way. It's like, because every time really I hold it on the stem, I, it just tips over and then I have yeah. to get it and then I, I break a glass. So I, I find that the weighting is off if I hold it in the stem, but I guess it's just what you're supposed to do. The risk reward is such that uh, keep the, uh, don't let the wine heat up in your sweaty hands. You know, the other trick is that that was Gatorade in the thing, and I like warm Gatorade, so in the end. But you're never safe. I think the point is you're never safe if JC follows you from uh, being, uh, you know, outed as an uncouth. I only, criti- I only criticize those I love. There you go. Rachel chimed in, and, and she was on your side there. That is another Trends with Friends behind us. We shared a couple ideas. The FOMO thing is something, you know, I've hit, hit, hit Phil up, um, Master of Shrinkology. Great roundup of the markets. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. 